Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plus 63 HP podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John Clemente, and alongside with me is my bestest best friend in the world, Shabax. How are you, Shabax? Hello, yeah, I'm here. Hi, my name's Shabax, and uh, happy to be back. All right, and uh, if this is your first time on the channel, welcome. Thank you very much for your view. We are Plus 63 HP. We are a stable of podcasts that... Uh, you know, aims to create this uh, community of like-minded individuals that like content. We have a bunch of different shows, including this one, our review show that usually drops during Mondays and Tuesdays, where we discuss a TV series or a movie. Uh, we deep dive into them. We give our opinions and our ratings so you can know whether you'd want to watch the show as well. Uh, we also have a D&D show on Wednesdays. It's our first campaign. A bunch of middle old village guys Wait. Uh, are running their first campaign. We recorded it for posterity, <laughs> put it on YouTube for all y'all's entertainment. The adventure is extremely fun. We have been running this for over a year and a half now. So, uh, over two years. Over a year and a half now. And then, oh shit, no, it's been two years. Um, uh, and it's extremely, extremely fun. Uh, on Thursdays, we have our React show where we have a curated list of featurettes, clips, trailers that we react to, see how hype we are. We put a plus on things that we are going to be watching, minus if we're not. Uh, and on Fridays, uh, Trebax and our other bestest best friend, RJ, uh, can't get enough of D&D, so they spun a second campaign uh, where they are bad guys, and those episodes usually drop on that particular Friday. But on this part, on this show... We will be discussing one of our favorite, uh, quote-unquote, series, anthology series that drops on Netflix almost every year uh, around the spooky season, which is Mike Flanagan's uh, House of Usher. You know, we've also watched um, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass, all of which are uh, amazing series. What was the third one, the fourth one after that? Uh, the children midnight, midnight club midnight club also the midnight club oh that's that was the fourth one, one yeah totally forget because like it's um not uh not a lot of them are part of those uh uh set of characters that he usually draws from but uh it has been a very extremely pleasant watch if you like horror suspense psychological thriller kind of thing so on this episode we're just gonna quickly run through the synopsis we're going to go through, spoiler alert, the deaths. Uh, you should know. It's like the very, very first scene on the trailer. There's already a bunch of people dead that they're uh, in a uh, in a, uh, a funeral for. Uh, and then we're going to you know see which are favorite deaths, the deaths that we, won't, we wouldn't want to be in, uh, as well as where it lies in the pantheon of Mike Flanagan's Netflix series. Sure. So... Before we get into the synopsis, uh, for those who haven't seen the series yet, we're going to give our initial non-spoilery reaction before we go to the spoiler. So, Chubax, non-spoilery, how would you pitch this series to somebody that um, that hasn't seen any Mike Flanagan stuff? Right. Hmm. Good question. Um... How do I pitch it? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's a horror anthology yet connected miniseries. So it's like, uh, 
it's like uh, Flanagan looked at looked at all of Edgar Allan Poe's different works and combined them into one short story. So you know, even though uh, the main thread is the short story, The Fall of the House of Usher, he incorporated a lot of the other famous poems, which I'm not that familiar with, but mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious that you can like see the different ones inside it. And yeah, that's 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 the pitch. And combined with great storytelling, great acting, great uh, effects, mm-hmm. great great subtlety and great patience and eh, you get the fall of the house of usher yeah uh my initial reaction and how i'd pitch it is it is a mini series where it is not as jump scary if you like horror suspense stuff it's not as jump scary uh, it is also fairly straightforward in terms of of the the main storyline, but it is but the layers of the 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 multiple stories within the story is very intricately woven. So even though you know, because uh, at the very that the the first episode, you're starting at the end, right? So you know what had happened. You're just being told. Uh, through the conversation of two characters, uh, how things have oh. happened, and then the um, uh, you know the both the regular scientific potential explanation, but also that underlaying of supernatural as well, um, uh, is nice. But for people who don't like, like me, when you t- if you tell me like we're you know, we're doing a prequel or we're already starting at the end and it's kind of like a, a reverse storytelling, reverse chronological storytelling thing. Um, I wouldn't be as impressed, but it is a series where performance and storytelling is at the forefront, which is what the short story, that this series is based out of it's based out of book it's made out of a, a short story written you know by Edgar Allan short story so a lot of people already may know um what the end is but uh it is so captivating that you are in for a journey on an episode by episode uh you know in, in an episode and episode way so amazing like Chewbacca's mentioned amazing visuals amazing storytelling and for me the most impressive is the amazing performance of every single character in in this in this world which is only emphasized even more that these are kind of like the same you know for the ones that are not familiar with the mike flanagan universe in every season that he does his thing he kind of draws from the same pool of actors, and then these same pool of actors have different roles in different every series, dynamics, which is, right? Which is great because it's it's risky because every character is different. You, there might be a, a, a one of the actors might uh, or a different actor might perform way better than uh, his pool of characters, but it's not. 
it's not uh, a super strict. Like in this season, they've added Mark Hamill, one of my favorite characters. Oh, in <laughs> Amazing for everything. He's like a total badass. So it's if you've seen all the other uh, Mike Flanagan stuff, it's just even more impressive that these people have acted different roles in different eras and different tones and in this particular one and a lot of the other ones they fucking crushed it every single one of them is just like extremely impressive so it's one of those things like if you anything that this is one of those if you want a little bit of gore a lot of suspense a lot of psychological thriller it's a good try so with that let's just dive into it as we discuss the synopsis, or as Trebox discusses a bit of the synopsis and we give our opinions of it, we will naturally be introduced uh, by the deaths of the story. So Trebox, before that, let's just you know give give the people like the 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 fifty foot view of the, the entire story of House of Usher, and then we'll go episode by episode because episode by episode will be a death per episode. <sighs> okay, so basically. Uh, as you said, there's uh, the two main people talking is uh, Lupin. How do you say it? Dupin. Yeah, Dupin. Augustine Lupin. Dupin. 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 So uh, there's this lawyer, Dupin, and he's meeting uh, Roderick Usher, the corrupt CEO of Fortunato Pharmaceuticals. And they meet in this dilapidated house. And uh, Usher... Roderick is just here to confess everything and tell the story, and as he said, uh, all of his all of his kids are dead, all of his uh, all of his kids are dead, and he's here to tell us what happened. So basically, he has uh, six kids. So we got uh, Frederick and Tamerlane from the first wife. The, the, main, the, the eldest, real wife, the, the real wife, yeah. Okay. Frederick or Frod, what the do they line. call it? Froderick? What do they call it? Froderick. Froderick. Froderick, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we get uh, the surgeon, Victorine. We Victorine? got the gaming mogul, Leo or Napoleon. Napoleon, who is played uh, by uh, Rahul Kohli. I love him. Uh, PR head is Camille. Which is and, the gossip queen, Camille Laspana. Laspana yeah, Laspana. played by uh, Katie Siegel, the wife of yes. Mike Flanagan. Kate Siegel. Yeah, Mike Flanagan's wife. Oh, shit. Yeah, and socialite Prospero or Perry. Perry. Yeah. The youngest. So here we go. Uh, so they, the, the next few episodes are just him going over each death. Um, and. Oh, well, before that, first episode is just a quick history of his origin story, I guess, where mm-hmm. um, Roderick, it's all about Roderick and Madeline, his sister. Uh, they grew up together, uh, um, their mom, but with a single mom. And she was working for one of the managers or bosses of Fortunato Pharmaceuticals. And it's easily implied that... Um, those the, both of them are the bastard children bastard of children. of the boss of who the mom is working for, and they live one block away. Like they live, they can look at the house from where from their house. They can look at the big house, the mansion of 
the their uh, fa- their father who doesn't care about them. So well, the mom was a housekeeper, right? Or no, secretary, right? She was secretary, a secretary. Secretary. Yeah. And so the mom is starting is dying for she's sick for some I don't know what uh oh the cad cadacil or ca, the sickness that a uh, cadacil yeah so uh it's uh something with the vascular system that leads to dementia fast dementia and death and the mom didn't even like to take meds because she's one of those religious uh religious people that got yeah. So she eventually she dies and they think she's dead and they bury her. Did she die and then come back or they did did they think they just thought she was dead? I think they just thought they she was thought dead. They thought she right? was dead, yeah. But she came back. Yeah. So they buried her because they didn't want the mom to be autopsied because they didn't think the mom would want to be autopsied. So they buried her by themselves in the backyard. And in the rain, and then she comes back because she she wasn't dead, and I mean they're not doctors, so they wouldn't be able to determine if she was really dead. She comes back and she almost kills them or kills Roderick until they told her that they don't know, and then she just uh, I guess in vengeance because for her whole life she was this submissive secretary and she always told her kids not to bother the the dad. She walks up to the dad in the in the storm and kills him by strangling him, and then she dies also. And then after that, yeah, we so that that's their kind of origin story. And then after that, we go through the mixed timelines of the story where one by one his children dies, uh, starting with the youngest one is a uh, Perry. Uh, Perry is literally the youngest and he looks the youngest and is the most immature. And uh well just a little bit of preface because for the people that are going to start watching uh the series and see that you know one that's artfully done as well. It's like how can this like either Middle Eastern looking guy, a white lady, a black lady, uh, uh Indian looking dude. How do they're all siblings? Like, oh, Roderick be fucking, he be fucking multiple moms yes. and popping different babies. So these so are he has six kids different moms. with five, five, six different kids women. with five women. Yeah. So, uh, Perry, um, let's see, show Perry here. Perry is the youngest, and I think um, the plan for Roderick there, this one is Perry on the left, and the way uh, Roderick is because we we are always a mixture of uh, nature and nurture, and since he was raised where his father was either ashamed or didn't take care of him, his his new uh his like one of his main uh rules in stone is that if you are of the usher i will take care of you i will uh recognize you and i will take care of you refresh it is as long it's a little weird where he says uh, as long as the paternity test passes (laughs) you're part of the family and you'll always be part of the family and but then but he's also trying these were some rules that were done how do they say that like the intent was great you know the rule the 
always part of the family as long as you're determined to be blood. And um, he said that every usher, every children will have a, a big loan for their to start their company, but you have to pitch it to him. Yep. So it's it's, it's, it's all, very business. Yeah, yeah and it's it sounds sounds really good and in 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 uh, concept, but I guess in practice, if you don't really love them, then it's not gonna apply so well. So the story with Perry here is he's trying to get this loan, the big loan, and after a year, the only thing that he can pitch is like a exclusive party. So you know, like you know those celebrity parties. So and yeah, we see we see the decadent life, the kinky life of what unlimited uh, money will give. Yeah, we which, see again the 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 good thing about so the underlying thing about every single one of these ushers that has a thing, they're not crappy right like this party yes it was a party it was what 20 bucks to get in only going to be like day of invitation super exclusive lots of drugs lots of it's a giant oh, ten, i think it was like ten thousand ten, ten, ten grand per entry but only invite on uh, but invite only but the good thing about this is like perry like the first half of the episode you'll say he's like oh this is a dumb dumb kid that just wants to party and do drugs but he was actually really smart the moneymaker was not the party. The moneymaker is the recording of the people but, who were at the party. So yeah, so let me get there. So 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 Usher and Madeline, Roderick and Madeline denied the the deny the the pitch. So he goes and uh finds one of their properties, like a warehouse, and he does his own party trying to like show his dad that he can do it even without him so he as as jong said he goes there he does this party and he invites like uh ten thousand per person invite only same day uh you need the phone uh to get in and everything and of course we see how fucked up she, he is like he he invites his big brother's wife try kind of seduces him her success successfully i might add she bit, right? She bit. Fuck yeah. She did bite. He, it seems that Perry has a really good knack of I think there's there's an underlying symbolism of the kids as well. So Perry is definitely um the sexual gluttonous desire of people that he has really, really good sense about. So he was able to again seduce, invite, trick. Um, because he was also wanted to kind of like, you know, one of the reasons why Perry wanted to um, get the wife of the oldest son, the, the OG. Froderick. Um, Froderick. Uh, was so that he can fucking break Froderick down too. So, yeah. Because uh, as you can tell, uh, all of them do not like each other. They're all fighting against each other. They're all trying to get as much money as they can or much power. So... Uh, yeah, he plans this party, and he wants it to be a like a wet party. So he hooks up the water system to the tanks on top. To uh, the venue again, important thing: the venue that they picked was an old, a, a shut down Fortunato Chemicals factory, right? And it was going to be like what you mentioned, a 
uh, a foam wet whatever party where the sprinkles will turn on and spray people with liquid. So that was a plan, but of course, being the kind of idiot he is at other stuff, he didn't test anything, he didn't check, and it wasn't water that was in those uh uh it wasn't water that was in those tanks, but acid or some toxic or something that burns people alive. Toxic waste materials from the manufacturing of the Fortunato um uh pharmaceutical pills and stuff like that. So <sighs> This is where like a big a, a huge part of the series is for this pharmaceutical company uh peddling um some opioids and uh uh also skirting the law uh mm. but always getting out because they make a lot of money. So this is one of those things like they never got caught for um incorrectly um never got caught for incorrectly disposing Disposing. of their waste materials because they never did. They just kept it there. (laughs) So before it turns on, though, he meets this woman, this gorgeous woman with a mask, and she kinds of knows more than knows everything about him and tells him that he doesn't have to push through it and giving him a second chance. And... Yeah, he doesn't. So um, she goes and tells all of the help to leave. And Perry turns it on and they all burn. Burn like, oh my God, this was fucked up. They all burn to death. They melted. They melted alive. They're all screaming and burning. And that was Perry. And the lady that we met that tried to give him a second chance was Verna. Played by the beautiful... Carla Gugino, uh, how do you pronounce it? Gugino? Gugino. Gugino, I think. I don't know if that's a pronoun. I think that's a spelling, but I don't know how you pronounce it. A stable of the... Gugino, yeah, okay. So that was the first death. Gugino, yeah. And then... The next one... Alright. So... The next one, so that was episode two also. And we also, there's also another uh, timeline where in 1979 when Roderick was with his first wife, Annabelle Lee, and the young, the Frederick and Tamerlane, the old, the two oldest ones were still young, uh, were trying to get by. They weren't, uh, they were part of Fortunato, but or Roderick was part of Fortunato, but he was like in the mail room and he wasn't doing well. Wait, hold on. And <clears throat> and it we showed that these two, uh, Dupin, Dupont, is already investigating for Donato, and he kind of uses Ro- uh, Roderick to try and snitch on them. So that was the other story, and then. Uh, also in Back in the Present, uh, Dupont had uh, was uh, how did uh putting uh Fortunato on trial or at least the Usher trial, family, yeah. and Doing he did Fortunato under it, the guise of an informant who knows all of the wrongdoings. One of, of the family Fortunato. members. So, uh, Roderick and Madeline. 
uh, of course, go on a witch hunt, looking for telling all the kids who is it, and all. And Roderick even used a fifty million bounty to, to ever finds the the snitch or the mole or the informant. And yeah, they start straddling everybody's cages. And the next one is is it uh it's Camille. Camille, right? Yeah, so uh one of uh one of the daughters uh Victorine is because we find out that Roderick is also suffering from Cadacel, the one that his mom had. So he's trying to push uh, Camille, uh Victorine who is in the medical field and has a girlfriend slash fiance surgeon Ali. yeah a beautiful surgeon uh they're working on a form of a heart monitor that can help cadacil but it's still not passing uh animal testing let alone human oh. testing so but uh, the, with the pro- pressure from roderick victorine is trying to push and push even faking stuff and using illegal stuff behind Ali, uh his her her girlfriend's back so uh camille is trying to investigate and thinks that victorine is the mole so she she, camille uh uh, by the way is the her side is the she's the information uh news news mogul of the family yeah of of the roderick yeah so she's like uh, she has her own information empire. So that's her her job. Uh, I like her kink with the uh, two secretaries, a male and a female, who who also uh, satisfy all of her needs, like all of her needs. And but uh, yeah, she sneaks into the hospital where Victorine is uh, experimenting, and tries to find some dirt. And that's when. Uh, she meets Verna again, and uh, I love the scenes. The scenes where Verna switching with the with the ape. Is it ape? I think it's an ape, right? Or gorilla yeah, it's monkey? A chimpanzee, yeah, chimpanzee. Like and uh, we got a nice scene there. This is one of my favorite deaths because uh, not no not like my favorite scenes because uh, as uh, the the chimpanzee was gonna kill Camille, she was like, "Oh fuck it, I got mine." <laughs> And then just so, so freaking self-aware, I, I like that. And she just, you know, no regrets. She she didn't was she wasn't even scared at the in the. She was scared at first, but then when she knew she was gonna die, she wasn't scared at all. She knew what was happening. She took it like a like a like a badass. And that's the second death. The third one is is it uh, Leo now? It's, it's Leo, Leo, yeah. So Leo. Uh, has a boyfriend, a fiance, uh, a guy fiance, but also cheating on him. You know, I mean, none of these yeah. people are, are, uh, how do you call it, uh, affairs or side uh, side people. Yeah, all of them have side side sneaky links. Yeah, and so Leo is their gamer. Uh, he like makes games. He has a video game empire. And he also is kind of the nicest one. Uh, he, he is nice. So the the again the thing that we're skipping a lot because again it's a little bit too nuanced is the OGs, the originals versus the 
non-originals, uh, the people that didn't live with, uh, or be, maybe like the bastard children, uh, they have a different kind of um, upbringing. Upbringing, and they have a different connection with each other. And the idea of this is like Leo is the middle, right? He's like three of six. Uh, so he's kind of like the connecting person amongst all of them. But he has, again, he's, he's a very big drug problem. <laughs> and we love Rahul Kohli. Yeah. So but he, he, um, he is the nicest, though, like um, compared to his other sisters. He wasn't out to get anyone. He wasn't out to be ahead. You know, he was happy with how he was. I mean, he was still cheating and everything, but, you know, still, I mean, this, just is, all, fun. this is all relative. Mm-hmm. He even tried to help Perry, you know, and uh, he sounded like the most decent one. But for him, uh, so he goes, uh, he does have a drug problem, and that's when what happens to him. He goes... He has a drug problem and he wakes up and he accidentally killed his fiance's cat. Did he <laughs> do it though, you think? Or did Verna make him do it? Or do you think it was just regular? He was on drugs. And I think just... I'm sure Verna influenced that interaction to kill the cat to get a replacement cat that is wild. So yeah, so he kills the cat and instead of being honest about it and telling his fiance, uh he goes into a I mean, this is only like crazy shit. But yeah. he goes to a a foster, uh, like a shelter, yeah, shelter for cats, and finds the exact looking one with Verna as the uh, the person in charge there. And again, Verna gives her gives her him a chance, like uh, get the other cats. You know, these are the ones that uh, can be saved, not that one that the black one that basically making him not lie to his fiance but he, of course he, he still does it and then this cat is like a demon like uh we don't even know if uh he really brought home a cat right because nobody else saw it it was only him it uh, yeah it, even, i think it was like the, hallucination or, oh the, but then there, sure it was. there was a picture yeah. though a picture with a cat and verna right yeah but and all it, the all the things that he thought that the cat killed did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was was, real. Yeah. So this cat is like a bastard cat, just attacking him, cut his eye open, like his eyeball. There was a cut on the eyeball, uh, cut the, leaving dead rats under his, uh, pigeons under his play, uh, stuff, and just basically drove him insane. And uh, yeah, drove him off his own balcony to his death. And that's number three. Then, uh, mm-hmm. After that, we get Victorine. So, yeah. Victorine is one of the ones that I don't really like. I mean, relatively, her character because it's just she's just not. There's nothing likable about her. She just wanted to uh, prove herself to her dad by doing anything, uh, anything nasty, any lie. She still steal experiments anything that uh will um push her stuff even even his her relationship was like uh uh strategic uh strategically done mm-hmm. to help her in her experiments and yeah the um roderick as we know is suffering from catacillins trying to 
push this thing through the the heart mesh and in the end she yeah she breaks from the she breaks from reality accidentally not an accident though well she wasn't aiming to kill right but she still threw it she she no she killed her accidentally it's an accident she she had a fight with when uh is it ali ali yeah, so when Ali, her fiance or her girlfriend, finds out that uh, she was faking a lot of the uh, the results and uh, stuff and going on ahead with human trials, she didn't want to, so she backed out. And in the fit of rage, uh, Victorine tried uh, threw some something heavy towards her as she left through mm-hmm. the door, but hit her head instead, and she goes into a seizure. And instead of helping her, calling nine one one. She said it's your fault and, and then just watches her die. And then she uses I, I guess she went crazy. She forgot that she killed her and uses the heart mesh on her and stuff. Roderick finds them. And Yeah, she forgot all of the things that had happened that time. Yeah. And then she she stabs herself, right? Am I correct with that? She stabs herself in the end. So days later. Yeah, commit suicide. When, yeah. Days later, when uh, his dad visits him in the off or at home, that's when he realized that this ticking sound that she's been hearing in her head was the sound that the machine was the uh, was making when she uh, incorrectly or uh, uh, um, disgustingly has tried during trying uh, uh, by herself. Yeah, so that's number four. We go to Goldbug, which is number five for Tamerlane. So Tamerlane is second the second eldest, part of the original, the OG children, next to Roderick or uh, to Frederick or Froderick, as they like to tease him. And her empire is the wellness stuff, like uh, yoga, uh, like uh, exercise. Uh, food, uh, exercise equipment, and she has a new package coming, and she's just obsessed with it, just trying to prove her her dad uh, also, and has this uh, kink, another different kind of kink with this, this with her husband, and where she hires a prostitute who acts like her, yep. and the, the husband will act like it's her, and she watches, and that's what turns her on. Am I correct? That's exactly it. So she, she, her, she has a voyeuristic surrogate kink where, you know, because she doesn't want to do the stuff, she outsources the intimacy. So it's also okay. what, um, what, uh, Roderick has described her uh, as well as like outsourcing of intimacy to somebody else. So yeah, so for her also, she also has this thing where she chose Bill, the, her husband because of strategic reasons for business and and uh, com- combined with Verna and uh, and too much work where she's not sleeping she's also uh, getting forgetful and having delusions and goes crazy pushes everybody away her husband who lo- who i think she he did love her and no yeah i mean even like it was just the 
so the other thing too is like every single person in the in the family had some form of weird addiction or weird um well yeah addiction that's leading to something like uh health problems like for her she was narcoleptic she would because she is she doesn't sleep she's addicted to work she addicted to this like changing fortunata from a, a pill pushing company to something a little bit more holistic um she you became know, an insomniac or she blackouts narcoleptic so she she would lose swaths of time and then yeah there's a, a scene where you know even regardless of whatever had happened between Tamerlan and her husband, her husband still is there supporting yada, yada, yada. And though Tamerlan will initially have this outburst of like anger towards the husband, she'll then like double back and say like, nope, I'm so sorry. Yada, yada. It was just stress. And, but it's too late because she fell asleep mid sentence in between those, those things happening. So that was his, her particular issue. So she just goes crazy. And, um, Start seeing Verna, uh, and uh, of all, the, it's like everything that she's forgetting comes back to her, but she twi it twists in a way, so she thinks mm -hmm. it's not. So she thinks she takes it uh, bad. So every time she sees a mirror at home, she she sees Verna taunting her. So she smashes all of it and ends up with a mirror over her bed and she smashes it and it kills her. So that is Goldbach. And then we're down to the pit and the pendulum for Froderick. So here, Froderick, one of the minor twists because he always seemed nice, you know, nice-ish in the first few episodes. Not like, not good, but not me, not... It wasn't obvious. Board, yeah, because he's he is bordering looking weak. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we didn't realize that he had, you know, his issues a, obviously was bubbling on the inside because he was the one who had the great wife, the favorite the, granddaughter, right? The so only granddaughter, family, right? The, the only most, grandchild. The only grandchild, but his family in Roderick's eyes, in his father's eyes, that had a monocle of success, like favorite uh, partner amongst all of the partners of the kids and of course the favorite granddaughter yeah so and uh, we didn't see how twisted he really was because as we said um, Perry kind of seduced uh, his wife uh, I forget the name of the wife Maury Maury to go to the party so that she was mm -hmm. but nothing happened though she did want something to happen but yeah. Perry got distracted with Verna, and uh, Verna even tried uh, Mori to get out, but she didn't heed her. So she got burned when the acid uh, tower fell, but she did survive. So she survived, and um, uh, Frederick brings her home, and we thought it was all love at first, but then it just eats him up like... He just goes crazy and crazy from paranoid to... I mean, I guess it's not paranoid. It was real. He was out was there real. or something. But it just eats him up and he just gets nasty and nasty and nasty. And we find out that he's been taunting her. Now, the reason why he, he wanted to bring her home was to just taunt her and uh, torture her. Uh, we find out that he was feeding her uh, this... Uh, nightshade. Night, yeah, nightshade 
uh, powder from... It's a paralyte. Where did he get the nightshade? It's part of the uh, Victorines thing. Like, uh, I think they've been or using that... it in Fortunato. And okay. uh, Victorine brought it to her experiments. And then Frederick brings it home for this one. To... Basically, it's like a... Uh, it's like... A makes you a lock-in syndrome where the person is aware, awake, but he can't do anything, he can't move, it's only the eyes at most. So she, he's been doing that behind her, his daughter's back, keeping her away, and just fucking taunting, uh, taunting Maury the whole time. Even going so far as to pull her teeth with the, yep. with the plier, with, with the tool. So that was fucked up. But then... Uh, uh, we find that uh, the the da- uh, Roderick gives the his steps his foot down and says that they need to destroy the building where Perry died, which so, was a request by uh, yeah a request by Roderick given to um, Frederick. Frederick. So Frederick uh, bullies his way, just trying to be like his dad. Tries to get it done, goes in. And throughout these episodes, he's we've slowly seen how twisted the method is, and he's been high on coke. And we get this flashback where, because uh, we see something when she was he was torturing Maury. Before he left, she he she got he got a call. He answered it, and he went into a trance. But we don't know what happened. So apparently, Verna came in, whispered something to him, put him in a trance, and instead of. Because he would put the cocaine right on the tray, and after snorting a few, he would push it, put it back to his cocaine uh, mess vial bag. Yeah. bag. But this time, Verna told him to get the nightshade and put some in this cocaine without him realizing it. So um, he tells them. So Roderick gets to the site of the place where Perry died. Tells them to start demolishing it, but give him five minutes because he wanted to go inside and look around. And as he looks around, he snorts his cocaine, which is part a lot of nightshade in it. So he falls down, paralyzed, and then Verna comes in. And then this is where we see Verna at her mean or not meanest at her nastiest. That where she like she usually says she doesn't interfere directly but because directly intervene yeah because of uh the molars or the teeth just how nasty he is she couldn't help herself and he he gets uh paralyzed and he falls down only his eyes are awake but you know his eyes are alive and awake so his mind is working and uh they call in to say uh do they start the demolishing and Verna picks up the phone, uses his voice and says, I'm out, destroy it. And I thought you would just I thought you would just see the whole building collapse. But no, this one was my favorite death. This one was the most sadistic one. So as things oh are the wrecking ball is going around, destroying shit. There's this one of the beams and the pillars break. And it becomes a pendulum with like a yeah. sharp metal edge at the bottom. And it's just swinging. And he's in the middle down on the ground. And it's just swinging. And as the things are breaking down, it gets closer and closer. And then I thought it would just be another one. It just, I just thought it would be one cut and it's done. 
No, it goes, I don't know, like centimeter by centimeter. Yeah. So he's alive. And it, it was a bunch of a bunch of swings before the episode ends, and the sound was gruesome. But this wasn't original. This was on Saw 3 or Saw 4 that I just recently saw. Oh, uh, okay. But still exactly like that. It was she, the the guy was tied down onto a bed with a, a giant pendulum blade and you know he needed to sacrifice to stop it from falling down and then he didn't sacrifice enough until the guy but i still yeah it's the way it's done it's great. cool visual cool amazingly cool visual and horrendous sound uh, yeah it was it was great and amazing and then we go to the end so the last episode we find out that we find out everything um that uh it seemed like uh Roderick was going to help Dupont take down uh his boss and uh, Fortunato Chemicals but at the subpoena or at the testimony he flips and he flip? betrays him and protects Fortunato so Dupont goes uh gets uh this is what drives Dupont into obsession against taking him down. And uh, he becomes the hero of the hour at Fortunato with his sister. And But uh, we find everything out that uh, they kill him. They, uh, the, the Roderick's boss, who's like so happy with him and he's going to, oh, you're going to be my right-hand man. I'm going to be one of main, the, main, the head boss. Uh, but has always taken advantage of him whenever he could, and even her. Uh, they killed using him. him as a patsy. Yeah. So yeah, they were using him as a patsy. Um, so this was all part of the plan, like betraying Dupont, the lawyer. But they were also going to betray this boss, but he was he wasn't a nice guy. So what they did was uh, they were under construction on a new building. They were celebrating a uh, New Year's Eve, and they. She tries to seduce him. She seduces him, brings him down, and um, makes uh, knocks him out. And they put him behind the wall. And behind Literally, the wall, they, alive, they tie him up, and and then they. Close I the thought wall. that it, I thought that he was alive, but you know, thankfully, they gave him a little bit of uh, cyanide in the candles, I think, or something. I, I in the in the sherry. Okay. There's cyanide in the sherry that kind of like paralyzed and will kill him a bit. Not a lot, but it will kill him within a day because if he wasn't poisoned and he was just bricked into the wall, he'll probably escaped. be alive for like three to four days too, right? Yeah. So this is the scene where uh, it's always been showed that uh, like uh, during a New Year's Eve, uh, Madeline and Roderick were in a bar trying to fix their alibi but we don't know why so this finally in the last episode they show us that it was because they killed the boss and they were hiding out in that new year's eve bar to celebrate to to make their alibi but that's where they met verna so verna mm -hmm. um throughout the episodes we've seen that she's she's not mortal she's not a normal human being we've seen uh their lawyer and enforcer uh played by uh mark hamill uh, oh, we—I mean, all throughout the series, I know we haven't we haven't uh, talked talked about him a lot, but all throughout the series, it was shown how amazing of lawyer slash enforcer slash cleanup guy 
Um, What's his name? Uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, fuck, I call him like the Joker the entire time. Um, what's his name? Pim. Uh, Pim. Arthur Pim. 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 So yeah, so he's protected them. The the Usher family, the enforcer, clean up, and he found pictures of Verna all the way throughout history, like with different influential people. Always beside some, some beside in a photograph, even like a black and white, right? Like like old old, and so we know that she's not nor mortal. She's not a normal, and we get to that night where he gives he gives the ushers Roderick and Madeline a deal. He would give them success, all the money, everything they want, but when it's their time to die. All of their bloodline will die. All of their anything, anybody that came from them, will die with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they'll get all the money. They'll get away with anything. They won't be prosecuted while they're alive, and they take it. So uh, that's why uh, Roderick was trying to delay his death because he wanted uh, his kids to survive or uh, as longer as possible, but. Yeah, we find out that he made this deal and they kind of forgot about it, but they're not really like they deep inside they knew what they, the deal they made. So they were always like, even though they directly didn't remember they made the deal, they were always doing things to try to get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cadacil. And they dealt the it with it different ways. Like yeah. uh, during the last episode, they were uh, when it was just Roderick and Madeline, they were talking about how. Madeline just had an IUD ever since. He was she was not gonna have a kid, because maybe in the back of her mind she knew what it was going to happen. Yeah. On the other hand, that's why um, Roderick always recognized his bastards or his half ch- his the 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 children out of wedlock, um, because of that. Maybe like he was trying to cover up this deal that he was not gonna have a bloodline after. Right, so it was. It was actually that was poignant too. There was a, a point where when they were making the deal, and then Madeline was surprised that Roderick said yes really quick because he was the one who had kids. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Roderick just tried to uh, uh, bargain himself. Is like, yeah, Verna said, uh, "I'm not gonna die early. This is gonna he he'll die when it's time to die. So he's not. She's not taking any years of his life." Uh, gonna be filthy rich powerful his kids will uh, live up to 40s or 30 uh, yeah like they'll have a life of uh, wealth so it's like he was like thinking to himself trying to convince himself that they'll be they'll be rich they'll be they'll they'll be able to live whatever however they want gonna be worth it so yeah in the end uh uh so from the start uh Lenore, his favorite and only grandchild, was always texting him while he was with Dupont at the the at the house at the start. But then we realized that uh, since uh, the the rule was the, the the deal was for the complete bloodline, we find the final episodes we find out that she's already dead, and the one that texting him was just this AI thing that uh, Madeline was trying to make to live forever. So Lenore's dead also. Verna. Took her, but wasn't happy about it. Uh, and 
Yeah, Give her she... a little preview, though, of what had happened. So it's not all gloom and doom because the good thing about the series is from the very, very get-go, it is everyone gets their comeuppance. Like there's this soup, there's this family that's taking advantage of people under the guise of helping people that has been getting away for decades and decades. None of them, all of them were like crappy human beings because their father, Roderick, was not capable of providing love giving love or taking care of these kids so none of his kids turned out well so on a certain level it was okay that all of them die but come to Lenore where she had nothing but good things ever since the start of the season before she was taken by Lady Death played by um, um, Carla Gugino which is what's her name again? Verna? Verna. Uh, played on Verna um... Raven, right? So, yeah, Raven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Verna. yeah like uh, an anagram of, of Raven. R Raven. Um, um, before Verna took Lenore, she wanted to tell her the future of her actions. So her um, going up against her dad, uh, exposing that her dad was abusing her mom, her mom survives years and years after, um, even after being melted. He used uh, some of the money that was given to her through the Fortunato uh, pharmaceutical company being dissolved um, for a nonprofit that helped people. And then the first two years, it didn't help a lot. It felt a, a couple of dozen, a couple of hundred, then became thousands, became hundreds of thousands and millions. And then the millions of people that was helped by her mom's foundation um, helped other people. So the, the goodness that had happened after that uh, can't be accurately quantified but it's a lot so it was a foundation named after Lenore because now we kind of know it's like oh shit Lenore is going Damn. to die too because he she is part of the bloodline and that's where I love the character of death in this series is it's it's it, she likes symmetry like she doesn't kill anybody that doesn't need to be killed right um like the people that you, you know like for example um Victorine and her her um partner Allie. Allie died because in some way, shape, or form she was complicit in the things that they're doing, even if she had a change of heart at the end. Jules, Leo's partner, didn't die. Nothing happened to him except for a bloody nose of an accidental blowjob, right? Right. Um, because he never really did anything bad. So it's the entire series. Nobody that's not needed to die, die didn't die. So yeah, uh, and, um, that was kind of like a good turn at the end. And my, my favorite scene also was the antithesis of what you said with Lenore, where Verna showed Roderick everybody that he killed in a yep. scene where bodies were falling, raining like were, bodies, were yeah. raining from the sky. So that was amazing. But uh, yeah, um, yeah um, I'm sure... People can get, there's going to be a lot of videos about the deep dive. I'm not personally good at poems and poets and Edgar Allan Poe. So we're just scratching the surface of all the symbolism and analogies here. We're just watching it like a regular TV show. You know, we're not, I'm not that versed. But yeah, it was good. I like that Verna was like, and she was manipulating things uh, when it was their turn to die, but even making the deal with Roderick and Madeline, 
she she didn't make them do the bad things. She, in fact, she always gives gives them a choice. None of this was like she wanted Roderick to have a lot of kids, or she wanted yeah. Roderick. She made Roderick do the bad stuff. It's like, okay, I'll do this, but let's see what you do. So she always gave them a choice. She, she talked to Camille. She talked to uh, Perry to back off. She talked to uh, uh, to Leo. They always, there's always a chance. They always, she always gave them chances to back off. Not that they weren't gonna die, but just that your choices define you. So you know, how are you gonna yep. go out? So it's like, oh, and. Specifically, every time that you know, well, if if Verna does come out, there's occasions where she says the alternate version of themselves if they didn't do the thing that they did, right? Yeah. So like, um, uh, Fr- Frederick, like if if you just didn't break you or, or if you weren't this money hungry guy begging for dad's attention, you would have been a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> You know, been and, happy, uh, I think. I wasn't happy. Frederick would, uh, Roderick would have been a poet, right? So poor, still a poet, uh, you know, a poet, but still poor, but, you know, poet. So there, she also knows the alternative of all these things that you're right. People can argue that maybe it is, you know, no, it's like, no, Verna picked the most susceptible people that will get, because like my thinking was she gives power to the people that will brutally kill or influence much, much more people. That's why it was the Koch brothers. It was Zuckerberg as her influencers, like all of these great dictators. She gave power to the people that will fill hell faster on one side of it, right? That's what I saw. But on the other hand, like we're only seeing the ones that had these giant influences. She might have had power, uh, much like what had happened to Lenore's mom too, like, you know, all of these things happen because there's other people that will rise from the ashes that uh, kind of provides more positive things and negative things. So in the end, like, you know, pe- people can argue both ends. I like the idea that, oh, all right, like the devil just gives you, yeah, he gives you a choice and, you know, you can do Maybe what you it's want. Also, she's judging them. Like she's giving them a, what, what, it's like your choice. Like, oh, we forgot one of our favorite scenes also was like, she gives a deal to Pim. Pim. Yeah. Then Mark Hamill, she's going to give her, she tells him that uh, they're going to find documents that's going to be bring you to prison if found. So uh, let's make a deal. Uh, I'll make sure they, they're not found. And what can you give me? But then she he said, he's lived this whole life, 70 years of, being leverage free he's not about to go out in a different way so he doesn't take the deal and she applauds him and she likes it and she, she... well partly because she doesn't have anything to, <laughs> to give, give. collateral so that's the that's the <laughs> that's the good and bad of figuring out this like he was so self-aware that you know to be good in his job he needs to be unleverageable and he was unfortunately he you know he couldn't give the devil anything that the devil would want in return he has no family he has no love he has no talents so but the self-awareness of that too makes him like the fucking badass uh, you know i think so, that that's a uh, final thoughts and ratings oh, before that so our... so in the end uh oh a Vern, uh roderick brings madeline to the ho- their first house 
and he kills her because they were both going to die anyways. And so, but in the end, just like her mom, she wasn't dead. She comes out like he puts, he kills her like a, a pharaoh of old, mm -hmm. like put, put, uh, taking her eyes out, putting these expensive uh, stones in. But she, she was alive. She comes out, scares Dupan, um, strangles him to death while the building, the house falls down. And Dupan sees Verna and I'm a raven. And yeah, basically, that's how it goes. So final hey, thoughts? That's uh, I think, too. Oh. It's like, you know, how come... That's a dumb dumb on Roderick. It's like, the deal was you go... You, you both... You come out together. <laughs> you came together, you come out together. That was a deal. <laughs> and that's why when your sister tried to try to have you kill yourself you like verna didn't let you die yeah well, you should have known that that was gonna happen to your sister too but i think she doesn't care either it's the end but uh yeah so final thoughts for me uh i really liked it i really loved it uh but um it would be in my flanagan list of all mostly big hits <clears throat> i'll it falls short from Hill House oh. because of two things. One, there's not a lot of likable people here. <laughs> and the <laughs> likable ones weren't really the main ones. So like just Pim and Lenore. And two was there wasn't that major twist really for me. Like we knew, like you said, they we knew everything. Because that was my problem with the trailer, right? I told you like... It, I think is it are they showing us too much because it practically showed every all of his children dead and no, it wasn't a mistake because it was the point because the same way it goes with the episode first episode he already says that all of my six children are dead mm -hmm. so there wasn't really this major twist like we know he did something I think if there's a twist it's just like the it's not that major because one is like uh we know he kind of made a deal, but we didn't know that it would end his bloodline, you know, or something. And and uh, the texting of Lenore was, she was already dead. So if there's going to be twist, it's just those two, but it's not a major twist that's like changes everything on its head, like Hill House or this other stuff. But it's still amazing, the story. It's still worth watching. Uh, yeah, seeing bad people get their comeuppance. It's like, uh, I love it. I'll same give it a with, nine, nine over ten. Okay, well, let's log that. Uh, like same, generally same with me. Although I have it a little higher, not because of the series itself. So, yeah, you're right. It it's not it's not going to be top only because there's no twist. And you know, again, I'm not a big fan of knowing the end. The knowing the journey towards the end is great. Um, I really, really like this, though, because of the message. Every episode, every layer, every interaction, every partnership has a symbolism for the real world. Like, you know, they these are, you know, the Fortunato company is the, you know, the opioid-making pharmaceutical companies that, you know, again, I like hearing both angles. Like, they were trying to get rid of pain. Who doesn't want to get rid of pain? Right? So, yeah. Um, but of course, it has side effects. It's addicting. You manipulate the system to be able to kind of uh, get people more hooked. Uh, payments, trials, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things. There's this cool speech at the end by Madeline saying that the world has enough money to cure 
the most terrible of, of like, you know, cure hunger, right? Just don't make any movies for two years. You can make, you can feed everyone. That's the, you know, they're taking hits on themselves as well. But, you know, as people, as humans, we are fundamentally broken and wanting the selfish, most incorrect things. We'd rather spend money on Viagra and getting hard and fucking them, you know, curing um, cancer, right? So that's kind of like one of the things that they, they were trying to say. But even the individual interactions of brother and sister, um, mm -hmm. like, you know, corrupting of good good partnerships because of ambition. Like going back to the start, Annabelle Lee, um, the first wife of Roderick Usher, was the best Usher among all of them. And even she, she was off screen too. Like we don't know what had yeah. happened to her. We just tell her, we just figure out that, you know, Annabelle could not take the the things that oh, Roger she, did. She shot herself. She shot herself. Figure, True, yeah, but, but we, like, don't we don't see. We don't know. see it. Yeah, yeah, we don't see it. But at the end of the uh, the end of the, it, it's also at the end of the series. Like where did Annabelle go? You know, we realized that she just couldn't take. Uh, they got divorced, right? So, and at some point, Roderick got enough money to be able to get the children away from um, from Annabelle, and then Annabelle took her life, right? Th those are the things, like, you know, all of these um, trying to do, trying to do the right thing, but with detrimental results, like Roderick not having... Your your kids or anybody in your family not having to want for anything sounds good, right? It sounds good. Giving your kids enough money to be to never want for anything seems amazing. But as we learn at the end, where Dupin was going home to his husband and his kids and his grandchildren. He was the richest man, and he was the one that was very unceremoniously uh, fired at the start of his career, betrayed at the start of his career, and made it his life decision to take to topple down this this big pharmaceutical company. So those are the things that it, you, it puts you in perspective. That look at this holistic couple, Tamerlan and Bill. You know, one it seems like oh they're partners, but two it's like oh. Uh, that's a weird kink that Tamerlan wants to watch her his husband eat out and lick the armpit of of a prostitute. Um, yeah, you can look at it said that's gross, but also look at that's like oh that's a cool partnership. Like all of these weird things that are happening in 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 the end of all of these individual partnerships is kind of uh, for me. I love the storytelling in 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 this particular series, and most importantly, like again, yeah, the performances. Every single yeah. person in this series knocked it out. So, last question before I give my life. That's Zoe Deutsch, right? The young Madeline. Was it her? No, 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 no. No, it was somebody else. But it was uh, it was the the girl from uh, Reacher. The the young Madeline. Kate Whittington is there. The, the, there's two. Which one are you talking about? There's two young Madelines. The first episode one, and the one the. It's the same the, one. The young adult. No, it's different. No, there's no, 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 no. Yeah, there's uh, there's two young Madelines. The one in the. Oh, yeah, the, the the one that we see the most. Yeah, she's the one from Reacher. The the police detective. 
that uh, Reacher... Mary McDonald, Willa Fitzgerald. We'll that, see. That Reacher falls in love with. All right. Willa... Willa okay, okay. I, I, she looks like Zoe Deutsch to me. Like, I was confused <laughs> for a little bit. But, you know, for me, it's like she was... the, the Her as young Madeline was initially weird for me, but it grew to me. But it, in the end... I loved everyone's performance. I'm so impressed with this series. This is, again, like me, this is not going to be top of the... Um, Flanagan-verse. Uh, in, in the... Flanagan-verse. Uh, Flanagan I think my top will be um, Midnight Mass, followed by Blind Manor, followed by this, and then uh, The Kids... Where's your Hill House? Oh, shit. Okay. So <laughs> top will be uh, Midnight Mass, then Bly Manor, then Hill House. Really? Then you like this. Bly more than Hill? I Midnight Mass. I like Bly Manor a little bit more than Hill House. Um, well, that's, but I'm giving so it a nine we, as well. There we go. Uh... Well, that's it. Um, let us know what you thought about the uh fall of the house of husher uh don't forget to subscribe to our channel youtube.com slash plus six three hp we are on all the socials with the handle at plus six three hp and if you don't want to watch this video on demand you just want to listen to us we are in all of your favorite podcasting apps we prefer apple spotify or amazon just search plus six three hp there Give us a like, give us a rating. We'd love to continue the conversation with y'all. And we'll see you on Twitch, twitch.tv slash plus 63HP. We stream our recordings over uh, the weekends as well. Morning time, Eastern, uh, evening time, uh, Philippine time. But with that, we will see you in our next episodes. On behalf of Travax, we thank you and goodbye.